Personal Finance is brought to you by IG Markets. IG Markets South Africa is an authorized financial services provider. CFD losses can exceed your deposits. Good evening to Warren Ingram, who's a personal financial advisor and also the executive director at Galileo Capital. It's been a while, Warren. It has, Ray. It's uh, great to chat to you. Absolutely. I love the topic tonight. Why is smoking or eating junk food the same as investing all your money in cash? Do tell us. So, so I think it's uh, it's about the kind of risks that uh, that, that we're taking when we're, um, you know, if you smoke or, or eat junk food over long periods of time, uh, and and you know, to me that's called a slow risk because you know if you if you eat you know really lousy junk food you know every day of your life for twenty thirty years, uh, there isn't going to be you know one burger or you know one piece of fried food i'm so careful not to say companies names here but uh but, but you get my gist there won't be one meal that you take that that actually makes you sick or gives you heart heart disease or you know uh, diabetes or something like that it will be a collection of of decisions that you've taken to, to to eat that food and to have those meals day after day after day for long periods of time and and eventually uh, you are nearly certain to, to develop some kind of health problem. It might not be something that, you know, that's completely fatal, but it, it is absolutely guaranteed to give you health issues. And, and, and in life, that's, a, that's considered a slow risk. A fast risk is something that's really obvious. You know, it's, it's, for example, it's not wearing your seatbelt, you know, uh, um, borrowing too much money or, or cheating on your spouse. Mm. All of those are going to have uh, immediate consequences if something goes wrong. You know, if you if you don't wear your seatbelt and you have a car crash, you're going to have an injury. You might die. Cheat on your spouse. You know, you're likely to get get divorced or get into serious trouble. Uh, borrow too much money and you're going to go broke. Those are fast risks and and those are things that because the consequences are so immediate, we we are tend as we tend as human beings to be programmed to avoid those risks. Uh, you know, most normal humans anyway would, would avoid those risks. And so if we look at the world of investing, you know, um, I, I would consider a fast risk to be something like, you know, buying an investment like, you know, in the stock market where, you know, our, our job, I guess, you know, when we're talking about things is to talk about stock market crashes, for example. It'll be a topic in the media. It'll be a topic among our friends. Um, and that will be the same as a, as a car crash. It's attention grabbing. The consequences are immediate. And so for most of us, we would say, well, hang on, no, that's not something um, I want to expose myself to. I'm going to wear my seatbelt, you know, and, and the, the equivalent of, of kind of avoiding, uh, you, you know, the fast risk in the investment world is to put your money in the bank yeah. or, or even worse, put it under the mattress. Uh, and, and then you feel completely safe because, you know, day after day, uh, you're just getting this, you know, little bit of interest and, and you know, there's no big fast crash going to happen. So, so you feel absolutely safe. And, and, you know, as the days and weeks and months go by, uh, you know, everything seems fine because nothing's ever gone down. You haven't experienced any kind of a big crash. Unfortunately, that's the same as eating the junk food day after day after day or, or having, you know, packets of cigarettes day after day. There, there isn't going to be the one day that really alerts you to the problem that you've created for yourself. But the longer you do that, the longer you keep your money in cash and the longer you avoid investing in, in, in shares and, and productive assets, the more likely you are that you're, you're actually uh, injecting your investments with, with the slow poison. And, and, and unfortunately, that, that's 
interest on cash mm. because you know cash just doesn't generate a, a return once you've taken inflation uh, into account you know so if you're earning four or five percent a year on on your money at the moment just understand that you know if inflation's running at three four or five percent uh, and you take some kind of tax off the interest that you're earning the likelihood is that you're actually going backwards uh, you know every year um once you've taken inflation and tax into account and you know you do that for a decade or two and and unfortunately your money is depleted you you might yeah. still have cash but but what you've lost is the buying power of that money it's just absolutely gone yeah Warren, how are we looking then with our RAND? Now, talking about cash, and I see what you're saying. Don't just have cash because it depreciates, et cetera, et cetera. But would it not be a good idea to perhaps buy pounds or dollars or somebody else's cash because our RAND's not doing too well? Our RAND's not doing too well uh, uh, today and maybe this week and <laughs> you know, potentially for the month of November. But, uh, but just rewind uh, to, to, let's say, March last year. And, and there the rand was nearly, you know, 17 to the dollar. Uh, and, and so we must remember that, you know, the rand is, is, is just by its nature, a very volatile currency. So it does go shoot up and, you know, and, and then we all panic because it's now at 17 to the dollar. Then it starts to strengthen. It doesn't do it in the, at the, in the same way and at the same speed as, as it weakens. But what, what's interesting about the rand is when the, when the envir- environment and I guess the economic circumstances are there, for, for the RAND to strengthen, it, it does it fairly consistently over, you know, over a fairly short period of time. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's, it, we don't really get the headlines to say, whoa, you know, watch out, the RAND's suddenly stronger. You know, that, that doesn't grab attention. What grabs the attention is the RAND lost 4% today and watch out, you know, the world's going to end. Uh, and, and so I think for, from my perspective, um, you know, worrying too much about the currency over short periods of time it just is, is, is really a loser's game because, number one, we can't predict what the RAND's going to do tomorrow. You know, if, if you know, the, the American president wakes up uh, in, and, and is saying something you know, interesting today for, for the world about stimulating the American economy or something, mm. or, you know, the Chinese premier does the same, you know, um, early tomorrow morning, we, we could wake up to see the RAND at, you know, 1490 to the dollar, and, and it would have been a completely unpredicted event that, that caused that to go up. Yeah. So if you're asking me uh, my, my, my view on panicking about the RAND, I think it, it's, you know, it's a waste of time, hugely energy consuming, and, and often leads to investment mistakes. I, I think you should peg yourself a level for the RAND. Uh, and, and, you know, for example, in, you know, for almost nearly, it's really close to two years now, Ray, I, I've been saying 15 Rand 50 to me is, is the right level for, mm. for the RAND against the dollar. So if the RAND is sitting at, you know, 15 Rand or 15 Rand 10, and you need to buy overseas investments, then by all means, buy your overseas investments because the RAND is, is actually a bit better than it should be. But when the RAND is sitting at 1590 to the, to the dollar, be patient because the likelihood is it's going to come back to you. Um, that doesn't mean that I'd, I'll never change my view. I just think, yeah. you, you know, we need to be careful that uh, of the noise of the RAND because it is a noisy currency. It does move all over the place. But over a you know, five or 10 year period, it does gradually decline against the dollar because our inflation is higher than theirs. But, but it can do it in, in wild swings. And, and so there will be times to, to buy dollars again. And, and now is really not one of those times to panic and, and just send all your money out because brands weakened a bit. I think we need to understand why it's not South Africa. Mm. It's actually a country north of our borders on the Mediterranean. It's called Turkey. And, you know, unfortunately, their president is acting like a turkey and it's causing <laughs> a whole lot of issues. Uh, but, you know, th- those get washed out of the system again. And, mm. and, and then, you know, the, the, the 
environment is still favorable for the rand when the oil price uh, in dollar terms is high uh, that tells you that the demand for commodities is there and that's good for south africa so i'm not i mean I'm, i would hate to predict the currency and say it's going to come back next week or next month because then it'll do exactly the opposite and make me look like a fool like it's done before but but i'm not panicking about the rand now no absolutely it's 1593 looking at what it is doing to the dollar at the moment we're chatting to warren ingram about slow risk and uh, it may be a bit of a killer it's like the junk food that you that you eat some of your your questions perhaps at number one eight eight three zero seven zero two, or you can also sms us on three one seven zero two. the money show personal finance with warren ingram Right, talking personal finance and where to put your money and talking about a slow risk. Now, Warren, I've got a question for you. It's a listener question, actually. It says, yeah, good day, Warren. My parents are part of the government employees pension fund through their employment, which I think is a good retirement plan. They also use retirement annuities and fixed deposits to save. Their plan is to retire in 12 years. And I'm worried that the fixed deposits will not give them the best return over this time. How can they best invest their money and what type of investment should they consider? And that's from Mpo. Your answer. It's a brilliant, uh, I must say a brilliant question because, um, you know, firstly, just to explain a little bit about the Government Employees Pension Fund, uh, it is underwritten ultimately by, by government. So uh, when you retire from Government Employees Pension Fund, you actually get an old school, old fashioned pension. In other words, they're going to say to you, you know, when it comes to your time of retirement, they're going to say, okay, you've been working for us for a long time. Uh, you've been contributing to this pension fund. We're now going to pay your pension as an example of 40,000 Rand a month. Uh, and and we, we hope and expect that it should go up with inflation uh, every month for the rest of your life. So, so it, it's something that you, you can kind of take to the bank, right? Because it's it's firstly, it's under, it's given to you by the government employees pension fund. And, and for those that don't know, that's a very big fund. There, there's mm. a heck of a lot of money in there. But if that actually runs out of money one day and you're still alive, the, the government itself stands as the guarantor for that. In other words, it's Ray and me and every other taxpayer in the country because we're paying our tax and that's the money that goes to government. And that's what government will have to use to guarantee those, those pensions if something goes wrong with the GEPF. I'm not saying that it will because I think yeah. the GEPF in most years and most decades is well managed. But but what that means for someone who's retiring is they've already got a portion of their retirement money absolutely locked in and guaranteed. What isn't guaranteed is that their, their income might not increase at the rate of inflation. No, that's something that they will, the, the, the GEPF will try to do, but, but that certainly can't be something that they will ever guarantee. You know, if inflation goes crazy or stock markets collapse for 20 years, there, there might not be enough increases every year to, to match inflation. Okay. So if I look at this, and Impor's uh, concern, I think, is correct. You know, Impor's uh, parents already, uh, you, you know, have a very safe in, investment in the, in the GEPF. So to then lock in some of their money uh, into fixed deposits where they, they're not taking any risk and, and guaranteeing themselves a rate of interest might feel like a smart thing to do. But unfortunately, fixed deposits aren't great at, at giving you, you know, inflation beating returns, especially when you take tax into account. And that's my concern here. They actually need to, to take some investment risk in productive assets. Yeah. Uh, and, and my view is, uh, you, you know, that, that if, if Impor is asking what those look like, you know, that could be something like an exchange traded fund, which just buys, you know, the top 40 or top 50 shares in South Africa or, you know, a, a world index uh, exchange traded fund. 
you know, something that gives them the ability to, to, to yes, they are going to take risk. Yes, it, you know, it will be volatile. It will go up and down over time, but they've got enough time left to retirement. You know, they're, they're I'm poor saying 12 years from now that they can afford to take the risk and realize that once they retire, life isn't over. They, they're still going to live for a few decades after retirement. So they can afford to take the risk of investing in the stock market. Mm. And with their retirement annuities, I think that those are fine, provided the retirement annuities are low cost. You know, they, they, they shouldn't be very expensive. Uh, and secondly, that, that the investments of those retirement annuities are largely biased to shares so, so that they make sure that they are getting good capital growth. Because unfortunately, Ray, you know, the, the way that they're going to buy their replacement cars in future or, you know, fix the house or the roof or whatever it is, you know, any kind of ad hoc expense won't come from the pension, you know, that's a monthly income that they need other capital that they can call on, you know, at short notice, or, you know, perhaps if it's a car, it might be with with slightly longer notice, but they will need extra money. And that that money does need to grow a lot Mm -hmm. faster than inflation. So they're they're going to have to take some risk, but then live with the risk, understand that it goes up and down, but over a long period of time, the stock market's a great place to be, you know, when you've got a decade or two uh, in your investment horizon. It, it doesn't lose money over those kinds of time frames. Yeah. So it's actually interesting that you say that. There's an SMS that's coming in. It says, how do you go into the market now at such a high? And I suppose the old share is over 70,000 and many equities are doing really well. But where do you go now? Is it just a case of careful shopping, perhaps? Uh, the, the, the stock market's hit an all-time high, but but I, and, I, and I wish I had the numbers at my fingertips about w- when it breached that high before, because the, uh, what, what we must never forget is, you know, the, the infamous lost decade. You know, we, we've had a long period of time where the stock market just hasn't been delivering growth at all. You know, there, there was certainly a five-year period in, in, in the recent past where, where the JSE didn't even beat inflation. Uh, and so just to understand that this this all-time high it's not as if we've been breaking all-time highs year after year after year for the last five or, or 10 years. We've really struggled to get any kind of return from the JSE that's been meaningful. Mm. So, so what's happening now is we're actually only starting to recover lost growth now. And, and my view is there are a lot of legs in the, in the, in the JSE. There's a lot more growth uh, that, that can come from, from our stock market. It, so, so this all-time high is a little bit misleading. So, so my view is if you've got a lump sum that you need to invest in the JSE, by all means, take, you know, take that amount, divide it into six and then, and then feed it into the JSE every month in equal parts over six months. So phase it in over six months. But if you've got a debit order, don't be afraid to commit that whole debit order into the JSE, uh, you know, consistently because I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm really comfortable the JSE, JSE can get, you know, a lot higher from here before it becomes expensive. It's by no means expensive now. Yeah. Another one, yes, is great topic, Warren. Learning a lot, so I invest most of my money into my RA. Is it a decent investment compromise for an anxious investor like me? That's from Bulumco in Burgundy Estate. So, so I, I love uh, low-cost retirement annuities. I, I, I hate the ones that are really expensive. So, so I've seen lots of retirement annuities offered by insurance companies that are, and I'm not saying the insurance companies old school, but the retirement annuities old school, where the fees are somewhere around, you know, three and a half to kind of 5% a year. And that's going to be charged to the investor for the next decade, uh, you know, if not longer. And and to me, those are really awful investments because, you know, if, if your fees are three and a half percent a year and inflation is running, let's say at 4% a year, that means your investment needs to generate you know, at least, let's say seven, seven and a half percent a year, just for it to stand still. 
and and I, I think that's a very tough benchmark. So yeah. I love retirement annuities, but but you really want them to be you know the the modern ones that are offered by investment companies, where you know you're not paying much more than let's say one to one and a half percent a year. Uh, in which case, you know, the tax benefits that you get from your retirement annuities are in, are really mm. good. You know, w- one of the things people forget, Ray, is that, uh, you know, the money that you've got invested in an RA, it grows without paying any tax. So an RA itself doesn't pay income tax, capital gains tax, dividends tax. That's a huge benefit. Then we get all the benefits of contributing to our RA. So I, I like RAs. I, I think the anxious person there doesn't need to be anxious if they're in the low cost, you know, kind of modern RA. Right, in 30 seconds, our phrase for the week, what are debentures? So, so debentures, are the, n- n- nothing to be confused with debentures, which is the things we put in our <laughs> mouth when we lose our teeth. The, these, are, these are debt instruments, so, so typically something that pays you a rate of interest every month, often offered by companies. Uh, the, the, they're nice because the company promises to pay you a rate of interest for a period of time. Uh, the thing to know, though, is that the company doesn't give you any security for that debt. So, so it's unsecured debt offered by companies in most instances. Uh, and, and, and so the interest rates are usually quite good, but, uh, but, but quite risky if the company's not financially sound. There we go. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital. Warren, great to chat you once again. Thanks so much.